better, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, I know better, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, Welcome to WKJP News Radio, where the future is now, the present is then, and the past is sometime next Tuesday afternoon. I am your host, Jordan, here with my visionary wife, Kayleen. This is the podcast where we talk about the 90s sitcom News Radio. I love it, and Kayleen... Tolerates it. (laughs) (laughs) Today we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 7, Sweeps Week. You told me that Sweeps Week means that the title has nothing to do with the episode, it just happened to be on during Sweeps Week. Right. And apparently Sweeps Week has something to do with the Nielsen ratings. It's something to do with... That's an important rating week or something? It is an important rating week, apparently. something to do with how the rating system sweeps across the country and captures who's watching what. So it's important that shows do well in Sweeps Week. When you told me that, I'm not going to lie, it set the bar high for me. Because in my head, I was like, all right, if this is their Sweeps Week episode, apparently this is the best they have. I did not think this episode was that good. Okay. It wasn't the worst one, but it was not my favorite of the season. We're way ahead of where we're supposed to be in this episode. Why? Because we do our ratings and evaluations at the end. Well, no, I'm just telling you, because it's called Sweeps Week, I think it's fair that I would assume that it would be a good episode. And spoiler, I didn't think it was bad, but I thought it was okay. And we'll talk about it now. I think it's less about an episode being particularly good during Sweeps Week, and more to do with them doing something dramatic or attention-grabbing or mm. surprising. Mm. So um, Janine Garofalo, as a guest star, sure. might be some sort sure. of way of grabbing attention. You might cut this out, but I find this interesting. I was listening to the most recent episode of Office Ladies, and they were talking... We don't talk about that show on the show. Shut up! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that's not nice. Um, but I was listening to the most recent episode of Office Ladies, and they were recounting stress relief... Which, if you remember, has probably the greatest cold open of all time. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And that episode was after the Super Bowl. And so a ton of thought went into that episode um, because they knew that being after the Super Bowl was a very big deal. Mm -hmm. And so they purposefully did a plot that was kind of a standalone where like it didn't further like, you didn't need to know anything about these characters to enjoy the episode. Ah. And if you remember, that episode has a subplot that has Jack Black and yes. Jessica Alba and yes. Cloris Leachman. Terrible subplot. <laughs> well, it's funny because I learned that they wanted a guest star because it was after the Super Bowl. And they're like, okay, the network, the NBC mm-hmm. was like, we mm-hmm. want to have a big star on and And the office was like, we don't do that. Like, mm. we are an office show living in reality right now. So it, nobody would buy it if like Jack Black walked into the office as like a traveling salesman or something like it wouldn't work. And then that totally got thrown out the window in later seasons where they had a bunch yes. of stunt casting. Well, and-, <laughs> and that happened after sure. uh, Steve Carell left. Yeah. I mean, but anyway, but yeah, I just found that really interesting. But it's like, that was the only way they would allow having the like, guest stars on was with a subplot like that which i thought was kind of that is interesting Mm -hmm. um yeah they're literally watching a laptop screen and watching that movie happen they actually were watching it on that screen too so there you go interesting okay so doing okay here we are here we are we're doing it 
I love recording. I'm excited. I can tell. I have the game tonight. So. I'm so excited. I know. I was listening to our old podcast, our last podcast where I had the game, and I described your, your uh, yes, there it is, ready to pounce. Ready to pounce. So, Kayleen, what have you been watching? Um, well, I'm watching Bachelor in Paradise. I love it. I've told you multiple times that... What, you don't want me to talk about The Bachelor anymore? What I was going to ask was, is there ever a time in the year when there's no Bachelor on? There used to be. <laughs> and there's not anymore? It's always either Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise on? I mean, they've really amped it up during COVID, I feel like. there yeah. was So part of it was like they couldn't film for a period during COVID. And then they were able to film at like a resort. They like shut down the resort so like their crew could take it over. And then I feel like they just got a lot of footage mm. because they did two bachelorettes. They did Katie's season, which I just watched. And now they're doing bachelor in paradise. And then it's going to be another bachelorette named Michelle. So. I mean, I don't know that I can <laughs> hear I about the bachelor or bachelorette or bachelor it. in paradise this every is, time when I ask you what I you're know. watching. Well, that's what I'm watching. I know it is. Oh, I know. I, I ran through quickly watching America's Got Talent. Hmm. No good. Did they decide? No one has any talent. Oh, America doesn't have talent. That's no, what I was going to ask. And they had a comedian on who was on Last Comic Standing like a decade ago, and I'm pretty sure he won Last Comic Standing. Who was it? Josh Blue. Oh. Do you remember yeah. him? Yeah. He's the comic with, with uh, Cerebral Palsy, yeah. I believe. And like, I thought he was really funny on Last Comic Standing, and I'm pretty sure he won, or he did really well, and now it's like a decade later, and he's going on America's Got Talent like he's a nobody, and I'm like... No. Wait a minute. You already had your break. Now he, and he made it to like the top four or five or something in America's Got Talent as well. So, and like his shtick is just making fun of himself, which I get. And I do think that that is, you know, edgy. And I think that it's important and, you know, representation and all of that. But like, if the only bit you have is like that you have a disability and like you're kind of self-deprecating, like at a certain point, is that... Is that all you have? I don't know. It's not the same thing, but I remember you showing me some stand-up from a guy who had a neck tattoo or a face tattoo or something. Sure. And it was clear, like... That's all yep, they have. That's what he was going to hang the entire set on, was the right. fact that, like, yep, you have a face tattoo, and we think that's kind of a bit much. And it's like, yes. I mean, if you have something that sets you apart and makes you different, like, yeah, own it and use it, hmm. and that's great. But if that's all you have, like, at a certain point, there's... You run out mm -hmm. like that. You can't ride that pony. <laughs> right. So I watched America's Got Talent. I didn't even really watch all the episodes. I kind of skipped around and then got to the end. I think another magician won. Okay, that's all. Okay. So I have a couple of them. Um, one is that I have been watching. Well, maybe I'll do the one we've been watching first, which is Only Murders in the Building. Well, we watched one. And it was good. It was good. <laughs> I mean, it was okay. It was better. We didn't really talk about it at all, no. so I'm interested to hear what you thought. I will be honest. When I saw that Steve Martin was in it, I like Steve Martin somewhat, but I am, he he makes me think of Father of the Bride. Mm. Like, that's who I picture, or like, 90s dad or whatever. Sure. And then I've also heard that he's kind of a dick. Hmm. And I, that could be totally wrong, but I just remember reading something somewhere that was like, he was not a very nice person. Mm. And then Martin Short, who I just don't find very funny in general, mm. 
And then Selena Gomez, I was like, what? That's different. So I kind of, like, when we first started watching it, I was like, what is this going to be? And then I actually kind of liked it. And, like, the first episode kind of ends on a little bit of, like, a cliffhanger. And you're like, oh. So, B+. plus. Yeah. Are you, are you going to continue watching it? Should we continue watching it? Sure. I would watch it. <laughs> I would watch the next couple of episodes yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I find that to be such a difficult title for a show only murders in the building like once i watched it and i understand like yes. oh okay what they're saying is we're only going to cover murders that happen in this building but i thought I, that was funny actually. i could not get my head around like what is this what is this phrase right. only murders in the building like only murders happen here yeah yeah <laughs> murders happen only in this building yeah there are only murderers in this building that's I, what i thought it was at first was it was a building full of people trying to kill each other <laughs> Or, like, there were several murderers loose in the building. Maybe there are. But yeah, I, I, I actually liked because it was such a throwaway line in the episode. And I was like, hey, that's the name of the show. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was kind of clever and fun. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was that I started watching a show called Manifest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you've seen it advertised mm-hmm. to you on Netflix. No. <laughs> really? Because Netflix was pushing it on me really hard. I think Netflix markets different things to us Mm -hmm. i have a feeling Uh, yeah that makes sense but the idea behind manifest is there's this plane that's coming back from jamaica to new york and it takes off and they fly through like a weird like turbulence or something and they land and it turns out their plane had been missing from the rest of the world for five years but it seems like nothing happened to mm-hmm. them. So their loved ones have died or moved on or, sure, you know, their kids sure. are five years older or whatever. And I was like, okay, maybe this is kind of interesting. A little bit like magical or supernatural. It kind of or... has like a lost vibe. Absolutely. It has lost vibe. And what I wanted to say was I thought it was going to scratch that same itch that lost scratched. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it's like a mystery. What's going yeah, and then yeah. I realized like, oh no, lost doesn't scratch itches. Lost just itches. Yeah. <laughs> like all lost does is irritate. Your... Well, it just asks you a bunch of questions yes. and you're like, I'm looking forward to finding out the answer. And then you're like, oh, you don't even know the answer. Totally. <laughs> I mean, we watched all of lost. I, and I watched, I mean, toward the end. Yeah. It was rough. Um, we were just like, oh, let's get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of the same way. So, like, that was a really interesting premise. And then it turns out they land and, you know, not only do they have the issue to deal with of like, oh, like these twins are no longer twins because one has aged five years and one has not. Oh, really? Or like this woman, you know. Someone like had a small child. Now their kid is 10 or Exactly. Whatever. Or like, um, oh, my best friend married my fiance because right. that sort of thing. Like, yeah. That's really interesting. You could do a lot there. No, apparently these people who were in the plane now have magic powers. <laughs> and so like they're hearing voices telling them to like go solve crimes and stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, are you serious? Oh, they're like, like su- now they're like a superhero show. Yes. Stupid. Yep. That's a, that's a hat on a hat if I've ever heard one. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> so listeners, tell me if you think I should keep going with Manifest. Apparently it was on NBC and then got canceled and then it got saved by Netflix. So new episodes oh. came out on Netflix. So there must be enough people who like this enough that it's continuing sure. to go. Also, I just kind of can't stand everybody's face. Like there is <laughs> one actress who plays Grace and I like her a lot. She's also in The Expanse. Um, I really like her. And then everyone else, I just kind of like don't like looking at their faces. Wow, shallow. Well, you know, you want to be able to like looking at 
the faces of the people who are on your screen, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's what we have been watching. Um, I want to talk a little bit at the top. We are a couple of days out from Norm MacDonald passing. And I just wanted to ask... If you're listening to this podcast, you probably are familiar with news radio and you probably realize that Norm MacDonald is in later seasons. I didn't know that, but you told me. (laughs) Right. He has a small part later in season two, Mm. in two episodes. Um, Mm. And I just thought as a very small tribute, it would be nice if we could each just share a little bit about something Norm MacDonald was in that you liked. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, like, so I... My favorite cast of SNL is still, like, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, Norm MacDonald, David Spade, Mm. Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon. Like, the fact that I can rattle these off right now, I'm kind of amazed that I can... um, Anna Gasteyer, like, Will Ferrell. That spans a lot of the early 90s. No, it does. But, like, to me, that is, like, the time that I was watching SNL and really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And I really got into Adam Sandler when I was in high school adam sandler did a lot of things with norm mcdonald um my favorite movie in high school was billy madison and i knew that whole movie so well and actually one of my favorite lines in the movie it's so dumb but there's this scene where like they're all hung over by the pool and billy wakes up and he's like what day is it and norm goes october <laughs> and then he says it's nudie magazine day right and he gets like his Naked Women magazines. But anyway. Norm MacDonald is just one of, like, Adam Sandler's, like... like, Bros. Bros. Yeah, he's like a washed-up bro. Now I want to watch that movie. Okay. (laughs) But yeah. Oh, the other thing I was going to say, though, is I loved his Weekend Update. He, in my opinion, was probably the best Weekend Update there maybe has ever been. Yeah. I mean, he was one... I really enjoyed Amy Poehler and... um, Tina Fey. Tina Fey. I really enjoyed theirs... But yeah, I really enjoyed um I really enjoyed his weekend update. Yes. So he has I remember hearing him I think on Mark Marin's podcast where he was talking about how he tried to create jokes where the punchline was as close as possible to the setup. And so one case of that was on weekend update. Mm. And it's a it's a silly joke, but he's talking about how Julia Roberts got divorced from Lyle Lovett. And the setup is Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett recently divorced. That surprised no one because she's Julia Roberts and he's Lyle Lovett, right? And I just thought that was so clever because, like, he's just holding up a mirror showing, like, yeah, abs- reality itself is absurd. Yeah. I think that was kind of his deal like, yeah. with his jokes. Like, he almost didn't have punchlines. It was more a lot more in his delivery mm-hmm. in some ways than it was what, the, what he was saying. One that my cousin shared on Facebook was... He had a joke about Mariah Carey putting out a new Christmas album, and the punchline was, Happy birthday, Jesus. Hope you like crap. (laughs) The only other thing about Norm MacDonald that sticks out in my mind was there was a month, one summer, where my friend Todd and I watched the movie Dirty Work. And in the movie Dirty Work, there's a recurring gag where Norm MacDonald's character has a tape recorder that he just holds up and does little like notes to self mm. and oh that was part of weekend update now yes. that i see you said that i'm remembering like he would be like note to self yes that's right yeah he did that in dirty work as well and i definitely i know todd did that like got out a little handheld tape recorder in order to like do that joke oh. in life 
I'm not saying I did. I cannot remember whether I did or not. I think Todd committed to it harder than I did. But you may have. I may have. (laughs) I was like 13, 12. Anyway. All right. Let's get into the episode. Let's get into the episode. So this is Sweeps Week. It aired May 9th, 1995. Written by Joe Fury and Paul Sims. Directed by Peter Bonners. Let's start from the top. The first thing I wrote was, why did they kiss so much at work? Yes, Lisa comes in to discuss the promos and they make out in Dave's office and the blinds are left open. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of episodes start with them kissing in Dave's office. Yes, well, and I was thinking about, like, over my career, I have worked with many, I would say like four or five couples, like married couples. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen any of them kiss at work. Mm Mm-hmm. And I get that, I guess they're already married, so they're not, like, carrying on a relationship, like, a new relationship at work. But still, like, there just seems to be no separation between home and work for them. And that just furthers my opinion that Dave is entirely incompetent and unprofessional. (laughs) There you go. So two things about that. Speaking truth. (laughs) One is that when I was in grad school, there were two professors in my department who were married. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us did not know they were married until we had been there months, if not years. Right. And a friend of mine actually saw them at a party once and they were like dancing. And he was like, wow, they're really hitting it off. (laughs) (laughs) At the time they had like six-year-old kids right, right. <laughs> and uh, we brought it up to um it was a man and a woman and we brought it up to the man and he was like well it's not supposed to be like obvious that we're together yeah yeah <laughs> um so that's that's how i think of like a romance or a relationship where the two people happen to work together um the other is yeah you're adults you each have your own apartment like it's not like you are high schoolers who like the time I get to see her is like at high school and I just like, right. oh, I can't keep my hands off you. It's like, go home to each other's places and then right. kiss there. <laughs> right. Or even like, don't, I mean, you have an entire building. Yes. Like if you really have to like steal away for a minute, then like, don't do it in your freaking workplace. Like go to the eighth floor, the fourth floor, the roof or something. Yeah. Go to the parking garage. <laughs> Beth tells them that Stuart is on the phone and Lisa leaves. Um, This is the first that we hear about Stuart, who is Lisa's ex-boyfriend. Beth asks Dave if he's jealous of Lisa talking to her ex-boyfriend, who she was with for five years. Um, Apparently, they're still trying to resolve a security deposit issue on their old apartment. Stuart is like, he's a laugh riot. Like, people can't get on the phone with him without laughing. I just kept thinking, what could he possibly be saying? (laughs) And I actually wrote that, like, Lisa's fake laughing is not good. Okay, so here, I I want you to rake for me, in order. Yes. These are the people who did laugh at Stuart on the phone. Can I guess who they are? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, Lisa does, Beth does... Bill does, and Mr. James does. So I want you to give me, starting at the top, who's the best fake laugher to down to who's the worst fake laugher? I would say Mr. James. I thought he was actually pretty good. Because he didn't overdo it. He Mm. was just like, "Ah, ha ha. And then probably Bill. And then Beth and then Lisa. Lisa just really overdoes it. But I do feel bad for the actress because she had to, like, fake laugh through, like, an entire dialogue scene. And, like... Again, I was just like, what could this man possibly be saying that would be just that hilarious? Right. I would actually say, 
I think Bill does the best fake laugh, mm. the best acting laugh, and then Mr. James. Eh, maybe Beth somewhere. Mr. James or Beth tied, and then Lisa is the lowest, yeah. Um, But apparently, yeah, this guy's just absolutely hilarious. Um, When I do see um, actors doing, like, fake laughter, it does make me think, like, oh, there is a lot of skill there because I could not realistically just fake laugh on command. Mm. I feel like I could. Want to see me fake laugh? Yeah, do it. (laughs) Now I'm going to know that for real because I'm laughing at myself. Oh, Jordan, <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, that turned into a weird character. I, I know, it know. did. <laughs> I don't sound like that. No, that's me. I'm oh. doing my fake laugh now. Oh, I thought you were making fun of my fake laugh. No. Uh, Bill thinks that Stuart and Lisa were meant to be together. It's just a little bump in the road, even though they've been separated for over a year now. Mm. Um, I also just want to point out, Mr. James is a real jerk about wanting to talk to Lisa. He's really, he marches in and is like, I need to talk to you now. I know. I didn't like that. I just didn't like the way he treated her. No. Yeah. I mean, I think Mr. James is a jerk. I know. I I just am really seeing that in this season in a way that I didn't before. He gets better. He gets so much more likable. I remember him being so much more likable anyway in later Mm. seasons. We get the credits. Then in the next scene, Mr. James says that he went to a business symposium called The Future Is Now, and he met a visionary. That visionary's name? Tom. Tom. Tom the visionary. Um, That reminded me a lot of the Monty Python joke. Do you know which one I'm talking about from Monty Python and the Holy Grail? we watched that not that long ago. Yeah. But no, I don't remember. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I have an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? Greetings, Tim the Enchanter. Greetings, King Arthur! <laughs> Tim the Enchanter. Um, Mr. James wants an on-air interview with him, so that is going to be one of the plots going on in this episode. Uh, Bill asks Dave... How about you, Dave? Do you have a special lady in your life? Uh, no, no. I'm sorry, that was presumptuous of me. Do you have a special person a special person i hated that the The two quotes oh i hated the way he said that it was just so like i'm 90s pc like we're pc in this office special person can't assume you sexuality like yeah that was interesting i don't know that i took him as like looking down his nose or like oh isn't this ridiculous that i have to like couch it in these terms or whatever um the look on his face when he does it is like sorry special person and then he does the like air quotes yes and there's kind of a shit-eating grin on his face yeah i wrote well i wrote that that was a 90s thing yeah definitely being pc and then like oh we have to be inclusive with our language yeah well i mean just to take the other side of it i guess it's nice that he (laughs) at least acknowledges that Asking if Dave had a special lady is heteronormative. Like he but he also like made it a joke. He wasn't sincere. Mm-hmm. Which is worse. I think it's worse to act like you're trying to be inclusive, but actually like backwardly trying to make fun of the person that you could be trying to include. Hmm. Does that make sense? Then if he just always and forever assumed that 
Dave had a girlfriend or just never even considered asking, like... I mean, at least then it's just ignorance. Mm. Like, oh, I didn't even think that you could be gay. Mm. But to be like, oh, do you have a special person? Because yeah. if you do, that's stupid. Oh, okay, he did not go that far. <laughs> he did not go that far. I will also say that this was a bit of a revelation for me when I first saw this when I was 12 or 13. Oh, I'm sure, yes. Because I remember, like, not even quite understanding it and then realizing, like... Oh, yeah, Dave could be gay, and Bill is at least acknowledging that, like, oh, I should not assume that you have a special female relationship in your life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm giving it a lot of credit. I think I'm actually on your side, but I do remember being kind of surprised and um, impressed by that when I was younger. I am very aware that I am watching this show from the 90s with a 2021 lens. Sure. And I think that, like... I can be critical in a way that like is probably harder for you because I don't have any yeah. forgiveness of this show because yeah. I didn't watch it. Whereas like, God, when I watch Friends now, yeah. oh, there's some real cringy stuff on there that I'm like, I can't believe that this like this would never get playtime now on television or whatever. But yeah, I feel like I'm more forgiving of it because I'm like, well, but in the 90s when I watched it, sure, you know, so. I'll also say that it's all in the delivery Right? So there is a way of delivering that line from Bill that even, like, is mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a joke that is not condescending or insulting or offensive at all. Sure. So, I'm sorry, uh, do you have a special person in your life? Right. Yes. Like, that, like, if you're sincere, then it could be, like, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's yes. a way to do it. Yeah, he just hit it, he punched it a little too hard. I, I agree. So Dave says that he had a girlfriend in Wisconsin, but it sort of ended when he moved to New York. Um, This piques Lisa's curiosity. She has heard Dave talk about Nancy, but she really wants to know the details now. Like, who ended it? How did it end? That sort of thing. It turns out that Dave hasn't talked to Nancy since he left to Wisconsin, and Lisa says that's not healthy because just because you end a relationship doesn't mean you cut them out of your life. And Dave says, actually, I think that is the definition of cutting someone, ending a relationship. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I like, yeah, ending a relationship to me means ending the kind of relationship you're having with that person. It's a separate extra step to cut that person out of your life entirely. Right. Like, you can end a relationship in the sense of ending a romantic relationship with somebody, but still be friends with them. It doesn't mean you cut them out of your life. It only works though if both people are actually on the same page, which is a really relatively rare thing. Like if both people sincerely feel the same way about each other and Mm -hmm. about their relationship, then it's, you know, about their moving from a relationship to a friendship, like then it's fine. But if one, even one, if one half of this relationship is unhappy or wanted something more, then I do feel like, okay, then you have to do a little bit of cutting out because then like that, there's no way that friendship is going to be a sincere, true friendship. Mm. If one of them actually wants more. So I wrote Nancy is a bad name. Nancy is a bad name. Why would you do that name? I don't know. I guess like, okay, so these people are in their, what, mid-20s, early 30s? which And it's the 90s, which means they would be born in like the late 60s. If Dave is 25 in 1995, which seems about right. It's like late 60s, early 70s, depending on how old you think they are. I guess like Nancy was a name then that was a real pop somewhat popular name but yeah you'd have to uh, you would have to look at the research there i think of nancy as being a little bit older than i have an aunt nancy who is who was born in the late 50s 
Sure. So I think it had fallen out of favor by then. It seems like a real mid-century name to yes. me. Yes. Not something that somebody would have. I mean, did you go to school with any Nancys? No. No, neither did I. No. Anyway, Lisa encourages Dave to reach out to Nancy, so he does. And uh, in the next scene, apparently Nancy is coming for a visit tomorrow. I feel that Dave seems, he seems scared of her. (laughs) Like, even before we see her, he's like the, the, yeah, apparently, like, the way that he says that makes me feel like he definitely is not uh, assertive in his relationship at all. Yeah, so I think we're seeing just how conflict-avoidant Dave is, and um, I definitely have my conflict-avoidant tendencies, so I do kind of sympathize with him there. I also just think that he is the kind of person who would be in a relationship with a much more dominant partner, like someone who, I mean, at its worst, would walk all over him. So it does not surprise me that he got off the phone and found himself in the position like, I guess she's coming for a visit. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but uh, I guess it's happening. He's also the kind of guy that would be in a relationship with somebody for three years and be unhappy for like two of them. <laughs> but because he doesn't want to deal with breaking up, he would just be like, okay. <sighs> yep. No, you're right. Nancy is coming for a visit. She'll be staying with Dave. In the next scene, we do have Bill interviewing Tom P. Baxter. He doesn't give Tom P. Baxter a chance to speak at all. He just really talks right. over him. He tries to talk. <laughs> yeah. And then Bill keeps yeah. cutting him off. Yeah. That's all there That's is to it. it. There's not yeah. that much to it right there. So Nancy shows up and Nancy is played by... Janine Garofalo, which I was really excited about because I really like her. Do you? Yeah. She was in one of my favorite movies from the 90s called Now and Then. Oh, was she really? With Christina Ricci. Oh, yeah. She played like a kind of witchy older lady. It's like the four young girls... Was that the one, was Rosie O'Donnell in that too? No. Are you thinking of League of Their Own? No. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Rosie O'Donnell was in it, but so. She was the older lady. She like, was. She's the she older was, version of one of the Yes. Girls. And so like, yes, yeah, she was in it, but very like for a short period. Because you only see them as adults. Like, D- like Demi Moore was in it as well. Got it. For like a short period at the beginning and then a short period at the end. But the major chunk in the middle is when they're all young. And Janine Garofalo plays kind of the creepy older not older but like in her mid-30s who's like not married Mm -hmm. and nobody really knows what the deal is with her and they think maybe she's a witch and but yeah that's that when i think of janine garofalo that's what i think of interesting i did not know she was in that to be honest um when i was about this age 95 96 um some of my female friends were really into that movie and i Mm -hmm. think i like maybe tried to watch it and i was like no this is not that's not for you not for me no thanks yeah, I like Janine Graffalo a lot. She was in, she's been in a few things that I really liked. She was in a movie called Reality Bites, mm-hmm. which I liked a lot mm-hmm. in the 90s. I think that's when you're supposed to like it. Right. I don't think you're allowed to like it anymore. Yeah. Um, and she was in, she was in Wet Hot American Summer. She was the right. camp that's right. director. Yes. She was great. Yeah, we watched that a few years ago, I remember. Yeah. She, as a person, screams 90s in a way that probably isn't actually not that fair to her because I'm sure she's done more interesting things since. I will say, though, that, like, I did not buy her as a Midwest Wisconsin Nancy. Hmm. Like, I was happy to see her as an actress, and I bought her as kind of overbearing, creepy girl. (laughs) But I don't feel like she does not... I I don't feel like she can play rural. Right. (laughs) 
Midwest. Yes. Like, that she just doesn't have that vibe. Like Country if, mouse. Yeah, if no. she had been from, like, I don't know, even, like, New Jersey or <laughs> something, yeah. it'd be like, okay, but... I agree. Yeah. So Nancy shows up, and she kisses Dave right away. Yes! I wrote, why is he <laughs> kissing Nancy hello if they just talked about how they broke up? But apparently they didn't. They like, didn't. We, right, and so, like, because, like, I guess Dave wasn't clear that, like, on the phone, which, how, like, again... Dave is a crappy person, so you're having this woman pay for a plane ticket to come visit you with her, knowing that she is apparently thinking that you're in some type of relationship, and then he kisses her without even, like, hesitation. One of the things that I don't love about this episode is I get confused about what is being disclosed when. Right now, I think that Nancy is coming for a visit, and that's all anybody knows. I don't think that... But it's, Nancy thinks they're in a relationship. She does. I don't think Dave has said that, and I don't think Lisa knows that. Right. But, again, Dave is the key to all of this because he must know that Nancy thinks they're in some type of relationship if she's coming. Like, they just had a conversation on the phone. They just had a conversation on the phone. It should be clear to him how she thinks of their relationship. Right. And she's staying with him. Yes. Yep. How is Lisa okay with this? Uh, yes, how is Lisa okay with that is a great question. Right. I have that a little bit later on. Right now, what I want to know is what kind of lunatic doesn't talk to someone for two months but still thinks that she's <laughs> right. his girlfriend right. after he's moved across the right. country? Yeah, or is it possible they haven't talked in two months and then he's just going to call her out of the blue and she's going to come the next... I don't know. It's all kinds of messed up. Yeah. I blame Dave and his poor communication skills. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, I just don't know how anybody could think, oh, yes, I'm still in a relationship with so-and-so who I haven't talked to two months. He lives in New York. Right. I live in Wisconsin. I wrote underneath that, though. I like Janine Garofalo. <laughs> That's great. Do you, you like her generally, and you also like her in this role? I like just watching her. I don't know. She seems like a, a gal I want to be friends with. Yep. I have to say one more thing that I like Janine Garofalo in. And uh, listeners, if you hear this and remember this, Please reach out to me so that I know that I'm not <laughs> alone and crazy in this memory. There was a special on MTV, I want to say it was in 98 or 99, where they counted down, I think it was the 25 worst music videos ever, mm -hmm. and they had a panel of four comedians on who would just like kind of watch the videos sure. and riff on them and joke, and it was Janine Garofalo, Jon Stewart, pre-Daily Show Jon Stewart, Dennis Leary, and Chris Kattan. Hmm. And I remember it being one of the funniest things I ever saw. I was, I was breathless laughing. And I guess I was 12 or 13, you know, like the prime age to find sure. that stuff funny. But yeah, I just remember them being really funny in the way they joked about the, the videos. And then at the end, I think the worst video they decided was never going to air on MTV again. And also Vanilla Ice came on and I think he like smashed the set. I think you're describing a dream. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I yes, she she has earned an additional place in my heart just for that that one weird thing on MTV 25 years ago. Nice. Okay, so in the next scene, it's the next day. Nancy thought that she and Dave never broke up. That's what I have in my notes here. So I think that's when the disclosure there happens. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I, like you said, I'm surprised Lisa isn't more jealous. Yeah. I mean, even if they have kind of a casual relationship, like, 
if they are like sleeping together and hanging out and doing dinners and doing boyfriend girlfriend stuff I would not be cool with like <laughs> oh your ex-girlfriend is just staying over who like I don't know anything about oh and might think you're still in a relationship and you just kissed her in front of me like yeah. hmm yep anyway so it's a confusing situation Beth says that Tom P. Baxter is back. So I, do, I just don't understand the blocking of this next scene. It's like Beth says that Tom P. Baxter is back to get Dave out of his office. And once Dave is out of his office, Tom P. Baxter is not there. Because, Bill has kicked him out or something. Because Bill has kicked him out. Like, right. it's just a weird setup where I'm like, why did it have to have to happen this way? Anyway, Bill told him to take a hike. Bill says that he was a fraud, <laughs> that he can smell these things a mile away. Dave says that Bill didn't even give him a chance to talk, which clearly we saw. Bill says that he has 22 years of experience in the art of interviewing. And so I was trying to do the math there. Like, say he started at his college radio station when he was 18. Mm -hmm. That would make him 40. That feels about right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like you're trying to uncover something here. (laughs) No, I just, when I was a kid watching this, these were all just grown-ups. And I didn't. I didn't differentiate it between somebody who was Dave's age and like 25 and not that right. long out of college or whatever. Right. And someone who's Bill's age and is like 40 mm-hmm. or Mr. James, you know, Mr. James is probably 45. Right. They just all felt like grownups to me. Yeah. And now that I am like smack in the middle of that range, yeah. I'm very sensitive to like. Who's oh, early thirties and who's mid forties. <laughs> exactly. And that's a big difference. Yes. yes. That's all. Huh? I wrote that Lisa is wearing cuter clothes. Yeah. She looks cute in that, um, black a little dress. jumper i wrote her body fitted jumper yes. thing that she's wearing man she has strong rachel green vibes mm. from friends like mm. with her haircut and then that outfit in particular yeah. like if you put her and rachel green side by side like they definitely could be sisters yeah yeah uh she's also wearing heels isn't she mm, i don't remember i don't remember but i thought she was which was just I think it jumped out in my mind because it was surprising that we don't normally see her wearing. Sure. I mean, she just hasn't worn anything this fitted. Mm. I feel like everything she's worn thus far has been very like slouchy and drapey. She's a pillar of mauve. What was it you said about her? (laughs) Yes. A tower, a totem, a totem of mauve, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So one thing we haven't, we haven't talked about is that Matthew has an ongoing thing where he wants photos of everyone with his disposable oh, right. camera. That was another thing I clocked is in very nineties. I remember every field trip I ever went on, my mom and I would go to Target and I'd get a disposable camera. Yes. I mean, I had a period in high school when I would buy disposable cameras and just take photos of my friends and stuff. And I still have sure. some of those photos yeah, around. Yeah. Um it was like I wanted to be creative doing the photography thing, but I was actually so bad at the technical art of photography. Well, is there even technical art when you're using a cardboard box? No, there isn't. And that's my point is I took <laughs> photography in high school and I was so bad at it that I think I preferred to get the disposable camera and let them oh. be developed because I, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Like using like the enlarger and stuff? I guess I didn't really realize that you took photography. I took photo one and photo two. I took fo- I took photo one. I don't know if I took photo two or not, but... Can I cop to something? This yeah, is, yeah. I was never able to go in the, like, black room. The dark room. room? I know. No, I was never able to go into the black room and, and take the film out. Yeah. I had my friend John do it for me every time. Yeah. Even though, like, 
that was one of the skills we were supposed yes, to develop. Yes. I like cheated and I still have guilt about that. Oh. <laughs> and just saying that now I'm like, oh, I still feel bad about that. But like, yeah. I bet a lot of kids did that. Mm, probably, but I wasn't supposed to. Right. It's so, it's so funny to me because like having that, like, I mean, we literally had a black closet in the photo room where a kid would go in there <laughs> with their roll of film, shut the door. No one else was allowed to go in. Like looking back, I'm like, that was like a prime opportunity for like a makeout closet or something. I mean, like the closet was supposed to be pitch black and it was. Yeah. They actually have bags that you do that now that you put your arms in ah, and yeah. you do it like on a tabletop. Sure. Um, I'm thinking about that, um, that contraption that I see in the Simpsons, you know, where sometimes things are coming down the conveyor belt and Homer's got his arms through those big rubber yes. gloves it's yes. like that except for kind of but it's like it's like you're putting your arms into like a black bag and huh. so you like zip you like zip it on one end put your film canister in there and the um that cylinder that you roll it onto i can't remember yeah. what it's called and then you put your arms in the bag and then you do it all but you can't obviously see what you're doing but you just feel it yeah and do it i taught i mean i taught darkroom photography yeah. for five years and yeah. so like yeah, it's weird to think about. Like, I actually have a fair amount of experience with darkroom photography, so like, I, I wonder if I still have that tactile memory. Well, we're way off track. Aren't I, we? No, I would love to ask high school Jordan what what the hell the problem was. Like, I think I got in there and it was pitch black, and I knew I was supposed to do a manual, uh, like a and you, you fine motor leave. manual task. Yep. And I think I just got in my own head, and I was yeah. like, I can't do this. Well, and the and the this pressure of it yeah. is. If you do it incorrectly and that and you open that door and it's not right, you just wrecked your whole roll of film. Exactly. So like you have to do it right or yep. you, you lose all that work. This is know? why I did not go into medicine and become a surgeon. <laughs> God, the body's open and Jordan's like uh, Oh god, oh god. Else. John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, Nancy shows up. Matthew takes a photo. The last thing I'm going to say about the photo thing is I wonder if those photos exist. Like, oh. I think that was a real disposable camera. Probably. I wonder if they took those photos. I wonder where those are. Yeah. Or if they even never developed them or if they just... That would be a real shame if they never developed them. But maybe yeah. that's just me. It's just, But I mean, in there, it's like a prop. I know. Hmm. Oh, I liked Matthew's line where he says... He's just really into Nancy. Like, he just really likes oh, Nancy, sure. and he really likes their relationship. I just I like know what you're going to say. He says, David Pastries? Who's lucky? Who's jealous? Yeah. That, that was funny. Nancy brought pastries that match everybody's personalities. I can you? that was kind of funny. Yeah, I thought so, too. Can you name what she gave to everybody? Yes, I can. Please she do. gave Beth ladyfingers because she is petite. Mm-hmm. She gave... Uh, Catherine, a honey bun, because she is so sweet. Smart girl, Dave. And then she gave Joe and Matthew bear claws because they are something like rugged and masculine. So rugged. Right. I love, I just love the way Matthew goes. (laughs) (laughs) Because Matthew is like the least masculine and rugged person you can imagine. Yes. And then the, oh, go ahead. And for Joe... And Matthew, I got bear claws because you're so rugged. <laughs> and then a plain donut for Lisa, which is funny. And for Lisa, a plain donut. Right, which she never does say, like, why that matches Lisa's personality. I mean, I guess the implication is that Lisa doesn't have a personality or that 
I mean, like, you get the vibe, like, she doesn't like Lisa, right? Or she's threatened by Lisa, or... Yeah, it's an intentional dig at Lisa, it seems like. Right, but here's what I don't understand, is, like, so it seems like Nancy is picking up some type of vibe between Lisa and Dave, right? That's why she says to her, like, in the next bit, like, I'll murder you if you go after Dave or whatever, right? So it seems like she's singling out Lisa as somebody who's, like, she's suspicious of. Yes, but then we find out just a little bit later that she also is suspicious of Beth, who she just gave ladyfingers to because she's so petite. So it doesn't it, quite follow. It's like pick a lame. Like yeah. yeah, are you suspicious of all the women or just Lisa? Yes. But I do like the idea of picking out pastries that match people's personalities. So Jordan, what pastry would you give me to match my personality? Ooh, great question. Um I mean, this is hard because I don't know pastries very well. You don't know me very well. I'm sorry, who are you? Um, Where am I? Uh, Gosh, I don't know. Pastry. I would give you an eclair. Mm. Because I think you would like it. That's the only pastry you can think of. I don't, I'm not good at pastries. I'm not a, I'm not really a pastry guy. I would give you a plain strawberry filled donut because on the outside it looks really dull and it's the one that your eyes might just kind of go over but if you look a little deeper there is some sweetness and some weirdness inside. <laughs> that's really and nice. it's solid yeah it's a solid choice yes. <laughs> um i thought you're gonna say i should be a biscotti because i'm hard and bitter <laughs> <laughs> i did think about that too that like Somewhat rigid, but falls apart when it gets into hot liquid. <laughs> Put me in hot water and I fall apart. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes sweet, sometimes bitter. You don't know what you're going to get. You never know. Anyway, so this is the point at which Nancy tells Lisa that... You seem like one of the nicer people here. No, no, I'm really not. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. <laughs> That's why I wanted to tell you not to even think about moving in my boyfriend or I'll kill you. <laughs> what? Oh, for a second I thought you were serious. I am completely. Oh, no, you're joking, right? Try me. Yikes. Yeah, I thought Janine Gruffalo oh, yes. nailed. This. That's the thing. Like she plays weird very well. Weird and creepy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just the laugh of like. Oh yeah. The I'm going to kill you. And then the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I could just, I loved how uncomfortable Lisa was. I just thought Janine Garofalo yeah. played it really well. Yeah. She's one of those people who's got, you have to say their whole names. She's not Janine. That's true. I thought Garofalo did an excellent, like, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> one of the things I like about this show, and I might not be getting the, like, technical, I might not be getting the technical name of this correct, but there's a very long depth of field in this show where you can usually see things happening at two or three levels. So you can see what's happening in the foreground, sure. the middle ground, and the background. Sure. Yeah. And so as this is happening, where Dave is talking to Lisa, you can see Janine Garofalo and Beth talking behind I them. I watched that, and yes. The yeah. second time I watched it, I wanted to see, because you can see Beth's reaction mm-hmm. of her being like, hi, and then she's like, hmm. Yeah. You're saying weird things to me. There are a lot of good chances for physical comedy when they've got that really, like, 
long depth of field. Mm-hmm. That's probably not the right term, but... No, it's true. I mean, like in photography, that's what you call it, is like a deep depth of field. Yeah. There are a lot of like layers mm-hmm. to the the blocking, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, yeah, apparently Nancy said the same thing to Beth, and so she and Lisa both uh, do not eat their pastries. In the next scene... Lisa and Dave are in his office. Nancy is still here, but she's leaving this afternoon. She and Dave stayed up late talking, but Dave still has not told her. This is pretty unacceptable, I think, at this point. Like... I know. I mean, even if she... Even if Nancy is stupid, and she just can't get it through her head, and she just can't accept it or whatever, like, at some point, Dave has to grow a spine. Yeah. Like, that's just cruel. No, I totally agree. Like, there's this is unacceptable, I think, at this Mm -hmm. point, to have led this person on for this long. So a lot of them are sitting around the conference table eating Chinese food. Beth is wearing a weird business lady suit. Did you see her weird business lady jacket? Yes. I also (laughs) noticed Beardy is really chowing down on the Chinese food. He just really likes... He just inserts himself in that background. I'm here, too. Yes. He He should be wearing a shirt that says, I'm here, too. Matthew thinks that Nancy and Dave are made for each other. Um, Lisa and Beth are still really put off by what Nancy said to them. So they think that she is maybe not dangerous exactly, but definitely not who Dave thinks she is. Uh, And Joe says that they are just jealous. This is one line. This is one line. He's got about one line an episode. He had kind of a line when he got the bear claw. Yeah. He was kind of around. Yeah. And was like, oh, got bear claw. I think he said like, oh, let us give her pastries. Yeah. <laughs> Even Bill says, I'll have you two know, Nancy brought me an exquisite kiwi tart yesterday. Oh, neat. What, uh, what did it say about your personality? I didn't discuss anything with the pastry, Matthew. I just ate it. That was such a dad joke. I loved it. Of course such you a, did. It's of such course a, you did. It's such a vaudeville joke. Yes. Like the setup and punchline and just like the silliness of it. I just I just couldn't get over it. It was a kiwi pastry. What the hell is that? It's an exquisite kiwi tart. But it's... Okay, I guess. It's a tart. It's, okay, fair enough. It's a tortine. I just pictured like a strudel with kiwi in it. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> no, in this case, I don't know. What's but it tart? must be like a custard. It must What's be like a tart. A cu- a tart is, I've watched the Great British Baking Show, and it has custard. So it's a custard base, and sure. then there's like a fruit on top of it. And sometimes like kiwi, I guess, could be one of them. Sounds great. <laughs> Why did, yeah, what do you think Nancy was trying to say about Bill's personality by giving him that? Maybe he was a little sweet and sour. But kiwis aren't sour. It's, kiwis are sour. Kiwi? Kiwi's sour. I guess I don't really like kiwi. I think they. I think it tastes like strawberries. Is that not right? No, kiwis and the strawberry kiwi combination was very popular in the nineties because That's you get true. the kiwi sourness or like mm. what is it? Some like acidic or it's very I don't know mm. tart, and then you get the sweetness of the strawberry. Mm. I mean, I remember that being a big thing yeah. in the nineties. Was snapple? The, yes, the that combination, strawberry kiwi. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Okay. Now Catherine's interviewing Tompy Baxter. He thinks that the future is... Computers. Computers. They're great. I like magic. <laughs> you Which can keep records on them. You can play games on them. He's not wrong. He's not. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I wonder how this read in 1995. So when I was watching it in, I guess, 99, I kind of understood that the joke was that this guy was, like, a little doofy, maybe a little behind the times, like, not the visionary Mr. James thought he was. 
But that still seemed like a, that still didn't seem like wrong to my 13 year old mind was like, yeah, the future is computers. Like, you know, the internet and stuff. And, uh, now I think like, oh, people had probably been saying that the future was computers for 15 to 20 years at this point. So I think that's just a blind spot on my part. Probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think it's funny that, uh, Tom doesn't have a computer. Um, and he's still in between jobs, but that's all going to change when he does get a computer. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. James was like, well, this guy's a total fraud. I'm surprised Bill didn't see through him. Uh, Bill rubs it in. He says a line that was one of my favorite lines from this show when I first watched it, which is. Okay, Bill, you were right. I'm listening. I want to hear more about these fascinating computers of which he speaks. Hmm. Just, just stuck with you. One of my favorites when I watched it the first time. Uh, Matthew is wearing a brown sweater vest over a blue shirt. Mm, sweater I vest watch 2021 continues. I missed it. <laughs> well, quadruple shame on you, Kaylin. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> so Nancy runs out of Dave's office crying. Um, you pointed this out while we were watching it, and I think it's a really good point. When Lisa goes in after Nancy has run out, why does Dave look so smug with his feet it up on the, the desk? smug. I first, the first time I watched it, I was like, that's a weird body position. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, he looks smug right now. And like, that makes him a jerk. Like, yeah. it's just, God, I feel like if I were Lisa and I was watching him handle this relationship, I would be like, I need to get out of this relationship if this is how you handle things yeah. when you break up. Like, you have no consideration for other people's feelings. <laughs> yeah, there's some red flags here. Not like... I'm going to murder you, red flags, but, like, this is not a grown-up, mature person to be in a relationship. Right, yes. Apparently, Dave told Nancy about him and Lisa, and Lisa freaks out. I just like her reaction. I thought that was a really Right, like, why'd you tell her that? Yeah. Near the end, Matthew wants yet another photo. Uh, I guess this has to be, like, the rule of three, right? There are three chances. Oh, I guess so. Three instances where he takes photos of Nancy. Nancy announces that she and Dave broke up and announces that Dave and Lisa had been having an affair for the last two months. And Why does she use the word affair also? I was like, what is a, what do you mean affair? Yeah, like, I think you have to be married and then have something on the side to have it be an affair. Right. Or even if she thought they were in a relationship. I mean, I guess maybe she thinks that he's been cheating on her for two months in her mind. Mm, I don't know. That could be. But, but then she kisses Lisa and that's weird. So. That felt like an improv. It did. I think that was a reference to, like, something. I think that was a reference that I'm just not... Like a Judas thing? Oh, I didn't (laughs) even know about that. I think it was a film reference that I'm not smart enough to have gotten. I think it's like a Godfather reference or something. The way she, Mm. like, kisses Lisa on the cheek. pats her cheek. Pats her cheek and then goes, "Mm." I think that's something. Maybe. Listeners, tell me if I'm right. Because I don't know and I don't even know how to look that up. But it seems like... I felt like she was just trying to do some type of power move. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it, 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 to me felt a little like Jenny Garofalo was like improvising or just kind of like seeing what to like feeling out the scene, seeing what felt right. And then like, she just did that. Uh, that could be, I don't know. Anyway, so she leaves and then Matthew says that he owes them an apology. That girl is insane. Because nobody believes that Dave and Lisa have been having an affair. So Bill says, imagine the Magnificent Bickersons here having an affair. 
And I just need to point out that I think that is a reference to a book and movie called The Magnificent Ambersons. Oh, I don't know that. Which I don't know anything about either, but I know the title enough to have, like, caught that there was a reference. I don't know, maybe is is the joke funnier if you know that movie? It's a movie by Orson Welles. Mm. No. That was it. So, that was very close. Everyone thinks she's just crazy or doesn't believe her, which that also does not maybe read super well in yeah. 2021. Like, yeah. oh, that girl's crazy. Right. Like, I think we've we've all learned that that's not a good thing to Women say. Women do not like that. No, it's too easy to like dismiss women with that word. Yeah, I just I just mean yeah. like in terms of the idea of like believe women. Like, right, right, right. So Lisa says, look, don't you feel better? It's all about closure, only to be interrupted by Stuart on the phone. So she goes over to take the call from Stuart. And that's the end of season one. Hold on. No, sorry. Oh. There's one more thing. Also, that's not the last we hear of Stuart. There'll be more in season two, oh. I believe. Well, spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Dave sees Tom at a computer, presumably Bill's computer. It's on Bill's desk, but I think there's... Oh, that was that, actually. I did not have any lulls this whole episode. Mm-hmm. That made me smirk. Yeah. That was, that was a solid smirk at the end. I thought that was kind of funny. Anyone tapping on a computer like that... I just find funny. Yeah, he was tapping like a gorilla. Yes. Or he was tapping like someone who is using a computer for the first time. Yes. And he just, he's repeatedly tapping the space bar. Yes. Um, So anyway, Dave tells Tom to get out. And that is the end of Sweeps Week. And that is the end of season one. Yeah, it didn't feel like a, I feel like usually a season finale is, has a little bit more of a, oomph at the end or something well so it's worth pointing out that this was a mid-season replacement right this started in march so it hadn't been a real full season i didn't know that it's been seven episodes okay not the usual like 22 well i mean like the first season of the office is only like seven episodes because Mm -hmm. like they didn't know if they were gonna actually like continue with it i'm almost positive that's the same thing here they don't know that it's going to continue sure Uh, maybe they do at this point but that is a repeating thing for this show is that they continually do not know if their show is going to get canceled or picked up again so that's it for yeah season one um i think that jumped out at me is how invested especially matthew seemed to be in Dave and Nancy's relationship, mm. but then also how invested uh, Bill seemed to be in Lisa and Stuart's relationship. Right. In your experience, do you have people in your life who you work with who are not necessarily your friends, just your coworkers who are that invested in your personal life? I mean, I don't know that I see that so much in like dating relationships or even like married type relationships. You know, where people get invested is when you have kids. Yeah. Like, that shocked me that, like, when I was pregnant and, like, when we had our first and even our second, like, how many coworkers I had that I didn't really know all of a sudden were up in my business and wanted to know how it was going and wanted to share with me their experiences. And that's definitely a mom thing. Yes. Definitely is, a lady yes. thing. That is true. Yes. Like, Matthew has that same type of vibe, though. I feel like if Lisa were pregnant, he would be, like, all about her pregnancy. Like, yeah. You know, and want to, like, if she brought a baby in, he would, like, want to be about the baby or whatever. So One thing I think we see here with Matthew uh, that does continue later on in the series, and I think it's, 
I think it's nice. I think it really flushes him out as a character is that he is really sweet mm-hmm. in the sense that like he really genuinely like does care about Dave's relationship and likes Nancy and wants right. to see them succeed. Right. And he also is doing that thing where like everybody get together. We're going to take a photo. Yeah. And I love how this I love how this episode captures the cringiness of that because he wants them to all take a photo right as Nancy and Dave broke up. And so, um, and Nancy says, so they broke up and Matthew goes, no. (laughs) Um, I think that just is something that continues. There are other places later on where Matthew really wants them all to like, feel like a family kind of in a Michael Scott way. Like we all work together, but we're all like, we're a team and we're a family and let's do something outside of work. He seems kind of childlike. Yeah. In that way. Like a, there's like a, a vulnerability or like an optimism there that feels like from a child. Yeah. I have worked with people like this where Mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, let's all get together outside of work. And it's sort of like, God, do you not realize that I just like come here and like do I just my job work, and I, I just work with you. I just go home. <laughs> like, yes. And I'm happy to like go home at the end of the day. Yes. Um, I talked to you about that person who actually no longer works at my job. Oh, quit a while ago. But she would do that thing where she was like, let's get together this weekend. And you're like, uh, you're pulled in such different directions because you're like, oh, my God, you're so annoying. Do you not realize we don't like you? And <laughs> I think it's so sweet. But I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. You're just like so open and vulnerable. Right. Like, oh, it's so nice. But like, shut up. But go away. <laughs> go no, away. Thank you. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you, and maybe there's not anything here. Tommy Baxter says that computers are the technology wave of the future. Is there anything else? You know, he should have said the Internet. The internet? He should have said the World Wide Web. Yeah. The information superhighway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This show doesn't really have that much to say about the internet. There are things that happen later on where, like, the internet is a thing. But this is still in that really weird period Mm -hmm. where, like, people were online in 1995. Maybe not a ton, but, like, in college. Some people had emails. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just not really a a factor. Right. Um, so, like, when Joe was showing Dave computer porn in the previous <laughs> episode, I guess that was maybe two episodes ago, Big Day, that clearly was probably internet porn. Right. Right. So there had to be some, like, internet connectivity there. But anyway. Your CD-ROM. CD-ROM porn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I knew guys in high school who would swap burn cds oh porn. my god <laughs> i'm just saying oh like god. i'm old enough that like that i could was a have thing. i could have gone without knowing that okay all right okay. all right they know who they are it was not me I would, <laughs> oh, I would, no no <laughs> after everything i say here i would have said if it was <laughs> now it's time for yo it's the 90s okay disposable camera Keelan is just rattling these off so fast because she really wants to get to her game. I want to play your. I want to play the game. Janine Graflo. Yeah. Disposable camera. Um. Dave makes a joke about tobacco company lawsuits. I wrote that down as well. We should watch that movie, the one with Russell Crowe. Okay. I cannot think of the title of it. Okay. Uh, somebody out there screaming at their, screaming at us, across the void of time and space. No idea. There's. It's a really good movie. I think it even won like some Academy Awards, but it's about tobacco so. company. Lawsuits. I feel like I actually saw this. I did too, once upon a time. Yeah, alright. We'll look it up. We have the World Wide Web. We do. 
Um, there wasn't a ton of 90s stuff in here. No. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Oh, I guess the special person. Yeah, I wrote that down as well. I, I, I can't really think of any others. Time to play my game? I made a game. <laughs> All right, let's get into the game. The theme is 90s visionaries and businesses. Hmm. All right. So. I, th- I feel like I might be good at this. The wave of the future is now in 1995. Okay. All right. Question number one. This popular computer program was originally planned to be named Image Pro, but that name was already taken. Photoshop? Photoshop. Correct. Do you know when it was released? Uh, 93? 90. Wow. 1990. It was actually developed in 88, but it was released, like, out yeah. in 1990. Okay. That's an Adobe product, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. it's been made by Adobe this whole time? Yes. Hmm. I just wondered. I feel like I should know that. Yes. Question two. This was the first video game console to feature a 360-degree analog stick in the primary controller. So, it was either Atari or ColecoVision. No. It wasn't either one of those? No. (laughs) Oh, then it was one that I don't know about. It was the N64 controller. You used this. Oh. You would play GoldenEye. Because it's... 360 degrees. Yes. Because the joystick. Oh, okay. Because like on an Atari, it can only go forward and backward. Right. This this provided a bigger range of motion. And that was in 1996. It was. I wanted one of those so badly. It was a big deal. I remember like using one of those controllers and being like, you can do so many more things. Like you can move in such a fluid way. I've been showing our oldest to how to play Mario 64. Yeah. I almost can't look at it. It's so polygonal. It's such an awful polygon mesh. Oh, I like I, it. Oh, it's so hard to look at. Like, I, the 3D was so amazing at the time, and now I am like, I. it hurts to look at. I would rather have 2D than, like, bad 3D. Goldeneye. Oh, Goldeneye was amazing. Yeah, I played that at so many yes. slumber parties. Yeah, yes. All right, question number three. This plush toy was the most desired toy of the 1996 Christmas shopping season. How is this about visionaries? I mean, okay, visionary maybe wasn't the right word, but it is waves of the future in the 90s. Okay. Okay. So you're telling me that Furby was a visionary? It's not Furby. No, it's Tickle Me Elmo, right? Yes, yeah. it's Tickle Me Elmo in 1996. Okay. Yes, and that technology that it incorporated apparently was like a big thing also that you could like interact with it and it would like make this tickle sound. The original idea was to have it in a doll. Oh. And then they put it in a plush animal, like a plush toy instead. All right. Question number four. This electronics chain was known for its exceptional service and slogan was where service is state of the art. Oh, come to Circuit City where service is state of the art. Yeah. Yeah. It's welcome to Circuit City. Welcome to Circuit City. Remember we had a Circuit City. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, Now it's a liquor store. (laughs) There's a metaphor there. Yes. Yes. Maybe I'm misremembering, but didn't the like 
facade of Circuit City's kind of look like it was a big red like battery or yes, something. Yes, it was like a big red plug. Yeah. And yeah. The, and they had their logo was like a rig, big red button later. Yeah. They made it into a circle. Actually, I'm going to say this. The category is 90s big businesses. Big money in the 90s. Yeah, it's always a great game where you can't even put your I hands on. F- <laughs> you know, okay, never mind. <laughs> The theme is so big, I can't even get my arms around I'm it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm loving this game. I'm trying. I'm trying. I was trying to tie it into the episode. I mean, I could have been like, the theme is your ex-girlfriends. <laughs> and I reached out to them. Yeah. And I asked them some questions. <laughs> they have some they got some real problems with you. I right. got them on the line here. Yes. All right. Question number five. DVD stands for digital video disc. Oh, is that too easy? I didn't know that. <laughs> don't laugh at me. What else would it stand for? I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, that's a genuine question. Like, what else? I'm thinking about dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I was just reading about, like, DVDs were released in the 90s, and I was like, yeah. huh, I never knew what they, the DVDs stood for. I just didn't think about it. Yeah. I was still buying VHS into the 2000s because my family didn't have a DVD player. Yeah. And, yeah, I was on that weird cusp where, like, I had friends who were making fun of VHS. While you were buying. While I was <laughs> buying VHS because I didn't have a DVD player. Yeah. All right. Question number six. Is the audio round. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. These are too easy, but it's fine. It's fun to have easy questions. This company launched its first compact cell phone with this familiar ringtone. I hope that's lighting up our listeners' brains the way it is lighting up my... That's Nokia, right? It is. Yes. To this day, I've heard that those are some of the most, like, indestructible cell phones ever made. Mm. Like, they were so well-made. I had one. My mom gave it to me to keep in my backpack while I was in school for emergencies. I never, like, used it for anything. In high school? Yes. Really? Yes. I remember a girl taking a cell phone call in a class in high school. Mm. And honestly, like if she had stood up on a table and took, taken her shirt off, it would have been like less <laughs> shocking. <laughs> I just, I was appalled. I was like, this kind of shows what kind of kid I was, but I was like, how is everyone, you know, not here in this school? Who's calling? Who you? would be calling you? Aren't they in school? Um, aren't they in class? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I still think that now, though, like when students are texting, I guess they're texting their friends from other classes, Mm -hmm. but most of the time they're texting their parents, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. All right. Question number seven. This chain of retail stores broke into the top five Fortune 500 corporations in 1995. This chain of retail stores? Yes. That seems really broad. I don't know. Does this help? This chain of retail stores broke into the top five Fortune 500 corporations and has been there ever since. Huh. In 1985? Yeah. Walmart. Wow. I'm just really surprised that wasn't a lot sooner. Yeah. Huh. 1995 was when they got into the top five. 
Okay, okay, okay. Of the Fortune 500 companies. Oh, I'm so dumb. I didn't hear that part. I just thought like, oh, it took Walmart until 1995 to break into the Fortune 500? No, they were on there. Okay. But they've been in the top five, like, ever since. Oh my gosh, I just didn't even think that. This is interesting. They're still in the top five? I think so. In like 2003 was when they hit like number one. Wow. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting. All right, question number... Eight. This toy store started out in the 1920s as a wholesale candy store. In 1999, they had 1,324 stores, but then declared bankruptcy in 2004. Just five years later. Huh. Um, so my first guess would have been Toys R Us, but I think they declared bankruptcy much more recently than that. I'm going to guess KB Toys. Very good. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I remember we had a KB Toy store in our mall. Yes, we did. That was a fun place to stop. Question number nine. In the 1990s, this is a long one, so buckle up. There was a period of massive growth in the use and adoption of the internet. What is the name of the stock market bubble caused by excessive speculation of internet-related companies in the late 90s? Thank you, Wikipedia. That is so far for such a small drink of water. That's the dot-com bubble, right? Yes. I also would have accepted the dot-com boom. Yeah. The tech bubble. Yeah. The internet bubble. Sure. (laughs) Yes. I mean, when you lift a question directly from Wikipedia, sometimes they get a little long. Last question 10. I think my favorite question. I kind of made these easy on you, but that's okay. This woman, who claimed to be a shaman from Jamaica, was best known as a spokesperson for the pay-per-call service Psychic Readers Network from 1997 to 2003. That would be Miss Cleo. <laughs> Very good. Um, she was one of the main personalities on um, what were called, what were they called? I don't know. They were called soundboards. Do you remember soundboards? No. This would have been 2003-ish? No. Okay, so soundboards were like early flash technology on a computer where you could press a button and a pre-recorded thing from a movie or a TV show or a commercial or whatever would play. Okay. So it was kind of like a radio DJ joke to call people and use these soundboards to have a fake conversation with them by playing the sounds. So like the Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard was like the big one. Okay. And like you would press a button, he would say, who is your daddy? I'd want to see do. Right. Right. Just like quotes from his movies. Sure. Miss Cleo was her own soundboard. Oh. And so my friends and I played with these soundboards a lot, but then also watched or listened to her. We didn't even watch video because it was pre-YouTube, but it was... We would listen to like MP3s of people pranking other people with these soundboards. Oh, sure. And so it would be people pranking strangers with Miss Cleo's yeah. voice. Like they would call somebody as Miss Cleo and say, like, hey, we're going to do like a free reading for you. <laughs> and <laughs> they would just press these buttons. Yeah. Dr. Phil was another big oh, soundboard. Yeah. Okay, this makes sense. I just remember being up really late and seeing her like yeah. commercials and I always just always wondered who called in. Yeah. I never did. No. 
And apparently she got into some lawsuits because, I mean, she was part of the psychic network or whatever. And obviously, like, when you call, you're not actually talking to her. Right. You're talking to one of her associates. Uh. Like, and they would be people reading from a script, basically. Did they have just an army of Jamaican women? <laughs> or an That's army a, of people doing Jamaican Right, women like accents? trying to do like terrible accents or something. I don't know. I mean, I would think that people are smart enough to realize like you're not talking to the person you just saw on your television right now. But yeah. who knows? That's just really funny. I'm going to call Miss Cleo. Beep, 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 beep. It's Tony. I'm your psychic. Go. Miss <laughs> Cleo? You sound You got different. a lot of money coming to you real soon. <laughs> Uh, very good thanks for the game there you go there's your 90s the theme of my game was 90s visionary business just say 90s technology big business in the 90s 90s business and tech i was trying to be like tom yeah i was trying to answer i was trying to do questions that like tom would know the answers (laughs) to I loved it. It was, it was fun. It's it's just a lot of fun to be on this side of the game. Sure. Now is the point in the show where we do recommendations. Kayleen, would you like to go first? Um, so I would recommend a show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. It is it sounds like a reality dating show, but it's not. It's more of a documentary, and it's following the lives of some um, people who live in Australia that have autism and their sort of journeys to find love and companionship. Um, And there's parts of it that are so sweet and parts that are definitely cringy and hard to watch. But it has made me think a lot more about how our social skills are not just innate, how they really are learned. And to watch adults struggle with those social skills that come really naturally to most of us. And then also watch them learn how to utilize social skills and practice them like is really eye opening. And it makes me appreciate, um, I don't know, whenever you learn about a population of people that you don't belong to and you, I think you build empathy and compassion and, you know, everybody wants to be, loved by someone everyone wants to be accepted by someone and that doesn't that extends to you know people with autism as well and I just I don't know I I find it a very like sweet show Mm. so and it's actually it's it's in its second season so I watched the first season a while ago and then they just released the second season you showed me some clips of the one guy you know who I'm talking about I think he was kind of the standout Yes, person. Michael. Yes, he was very charming. Yes, yes, and that's the thing. Like, there's something that's just so sweet and charming, and you just really root for them mm. to like find their person. That's you a know? really that's a really tough needle to thread because on the one hand, you don't want it to be mawkish, you know, yeah. you don't want it to yeah. be condescending or overly sentimental. But on the right. other hand, you definitely don't want to feel like you're like making fun of. Right. People People, like legitimate struggles. And I mean, all of us, whether you're neurotypical or not, struggle with relationships. Relationships with other people are hard. Period. Yes. Like romantic relationships, friendships, family relationships. And so um, there's one woman on this show who her she's like a relationship coach in some ways, but she specializes in helping adults with autism. Hmm. So when you're on a date with somebody 
like, here are some strategies of like, what kinds of questions might you ask? And like, maybe why is a yes or no question not going to be as good as an open ended question? And we're trying to find common interests. And we're trying to like, we share about ourselves, but we also ask questions to the other person. And like, these are just things that for again, somebody who's neurotypical are just kind of, you don't realize that you learned these Mm. habits at some point, or being able to read you know, nonverbal cues from other people and things like that. But anyway, I just, I really enjoy watching it. I feel like it helps me um, gain more empathy and understanding. And that's a good thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, I have enjoyed the clips you've showed me. Yeah. More than I thought I would. It just, it doesn't really appeal to me like as a TV show. But then when I have watched things from it, I'm like, oh, that is really sweet. Yeah. So. I would like to recommend the book that I just read. Oh, yeah. You liked it. But I'm not going to. Why? Because if I'm being really honest. Oh, because you want me to read it and you don't want to talk about it. I mean, that's part of it. Oh. The other thing is, I would, well, I'd like to recommend the book because it would make me sound smarter to be like, I just read this book and it was really good. And sure. I, blah, blah, blah. No, I got to recommend a video game. Oh, oh! you want to recommend the one you've been into lately. Uh-oh. I've got to recommend it because it's been taking over my brain. Oh, no. So, shout out to my friend TJ, who brought this up. But there is a game that is actually a video game version of a board game on Steam called Root. And it is a war game. I guess it's very similar to Settlers of Catan, if you mm-hmm. want to compare it to anything. Like, you start off in one area and you're trying to expand your territory and you're battling other players and you're trying to expand and gain victory points and win the game the difference is that unlike settlers of Catan, where everybody has the same types of moves available to them so everybody can build roads everybody can build cities everybody can draw development cards in this one the four different types of players all have different ways of winning the game it's asymmetric that like there are totally different things that each player can do and like some options some actions are available only to that player Mm -hmm. so there's like four totally different people playing against each other as opposed to like chess right everybody can make the same move with the queen in chess right in scrabble everybody has access to playing the same words Mm -hmm. i like how this is asymmetrical so it would be like if one of the ways that someone could win Catan would be simply by trading cards. Sure. And if I'm able to trade you a card that benefits you and you trade me a card that benefits me, I get a victory point. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I'm able to steal from you and I'm the only player in the game who's able to steal sure. from somebody else. I get it. Also, the graphics are just really cute and mm-hmm. they're just really fun. And I like it a lot. So everyone should check out Root. It's a board game that has a video game version on Steam. Okay, so this is the point in the episode where we give our ratings. Oh, right. On a scale of one to five disposable cameras. I wanted to do one to five X's. I thought you would. <laughs> um, what about one to five computers? You just like that line. Computers. One to five computers. One to five exquisite kiwi tarts. I like that. Oh, yeah. All right. On a scale from one to five exquisite kiwi tarts, how would you rate this episode? Mm, 3.5. Really? Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite, but, like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't as bad as, like, the one with the train. 
<laughs> sure. I was going to say 2.5. Um, I didn't think it was that funny. Like, there's some really good That's things. True. It wasn't funny. Yeah, it, it wasn't that funny. It didn't really make me laugh that much. Um, the stuff with Tom P. Baxter is pretty classic. Yeah, it was it was fine. Um, I really liked having someone outside the main cast come in and shake things up. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be a repeated thing that happens in news radio. It's like you really get to know the like eight main characters and that changes a little bit over time. But like a lot of episodes, they'll have somebody come in and it's someone who's visiting or someone who's, you know, an intern or something. And they're going to like shake things up a little bit. Sure. Um, so I think that was very effective to have Nancy come in and get the other characters to bounce off her a little bit. Mainly Dave, Lisa, Matthew a little bit. Um, Yeah, I agree. This episode wasn't that funny, but one of the things that I like about just consuming video, TV shows, movies, whatever, is I, I find, like, interpersonal relationships really interesting. Like, I just... That's why I like terrible reality television. I like watching people work through stuff and figure out how to be together or not be together. So I guess I kind of found watching Lisa and Dave like traverse the exes thing kind of interesting, even if I think that they did it in a way that was not super healthy. Um, But then I just get to judge and that's... That's fun. Yeah, that's why I said last episode, I think you were going to like this one. Yeah. I thought you would like that. It just wasn't funny, dynamic. which is a bummer. Because, yeah. like, I, I I, mean, I like to laugh. It'd be nice if I laughed. But I thought that, like, just watching their relationship was kind of interesting. And I agree. I really like Janine Garofalo. So I thought I liked watching just a new character be in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for next time... Season one recap. Season one recap. So we're going to take a week off of doing individual episodes and we're going to just spend a podcast episode talking about season one. I can't believe I watched a whole season of this show. I mean, you didn't. (laughs) You watched seven episodes, right? No, I watched a season. That's what I said. We have watched an entire season. This is not the length of a normal season. It's a third of the length of most seasons. God, how many episodes are in the other seasons? I mean, the typical sitcom is 22. Oh my God, how many? I did not realize I was signing up for this many podcast episodes with you. Are you serious? Yeah. And there's like five seasons and there's like 20 episodes. So we're going to do like 80 more podcast episodes. This is fun. This is fun. <laughs> we're having a good time. I did not. I need to review my contract. well on that note next time we'll be talking about season one recapping characters recapping plot lines looking at some relationships i mean so one thing i want to say is going to share her predictions for what she thinks is going to happen oh jordan's excited to hear my prediction all right (laughs) just based on what i know about these characters so far here's I can just, what I'll do is I'll, I'll get some like imaginary plot lines I can imagine happening. Yeah. That sounds great. Okay. Um, we've got a game Did for you next time. Game? I have a season one game. Great. So all I wanted to say is that in my mind, season one and season two are really tied up together. Like 
if you would ask me three or four months ago, I couldn't have told you what was a season one episode and what was a season two episode. Mm. And that's because they came packaged together on the DVD that I watched. Sure. And so I would just kind of go through them. Yeah. And so I am very looking forward to getting into season two. I think that that quality and the humor just really ramps up. Um, I just feel like this was not a very, well, I've Save said, it. I've said it all along. I just, uh, this is, this season has been kind of a drag. You set the bar low for me. Well, Good so day. long. <laughs> I'm tired. I am tired too. We're done. Um, so as always, you can reach out to us via email, Twitter, Instagram. Tell us what you think of the show. Uh, like I said a couple of episodes ago, we we're getting some really great feedback from people. Yay! It's so nice to connect with people on Twitter and Instagram and have them like posts and email us and stuff. So that's thanks, really sweet. Thanks for listening to two middle-aged parents talk about a show and <laughs> a thing we do. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at wkjppod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.